Tonight, it's everything, everywhere, all at once. WWE is for sale, or sold, or won't be sold unless Vince McMahon is given controlling interest. We don't know, but one thing we do know is that we're going to cut through some of the false headlines this week. Pro wrestler turned wrestling economist Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics will be here. Impact Wrestling's Hard to Kill pay-per-view happened this past Friday. Is there a revival in FTR's future? Adam Cole's bad news is good news for fans. Cody Rhodes is back in the ring and getting ready for the Rumble, but will we see him before then? Plus, Francis Ngannou has left the UFC. CM Punk sings? Maybe. And it's been about 30 seconds now. Nope. WWE still has not been sold yet. Let's get going with a packed edition of Sunday night's main event. We love professional wrestling. Acknowledge me. This is Sunday night's main event. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. On the iHeartRadio talk network. Because you love something fresh in you, don't you? We deserve better, people. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Do I have everybody's attention now? My God, what an impact. Hey, I'm Mike McGuire, welcoming you to Canada's Wrestling Radio Show, Sunday night's main event, powered by totalsportcards.com Canada's number one stop for all WWE, UFC, NHL, NBA, and NFL hobby boxes. totalsportcards.com always delivers the most sought-after products with the best price points in the market you can find. That's totalsportcards.com Now, as for this show, you can't beat free, which is how you get it every week on TSN Radio, the iHeartRadio and News Talk Networks, and also at snmeradio.com. But if you want the show early, full-length interviews, daily podcasts, and a lot more, head to patreon.com slash snmeradio for about a buck a week is what you're tossing out, and we're giving you everything we got. Speaking of everything we got every week, we sort through the junk drawer of wrestling headlines, find the stuff that's actually worthy of having its own spot in the utensil bin or toolbox, and present them to you in this week's Five Count. You want to hear that breaking news? So, we are going to talk about it today, but we're not going to talk just about that. WWE is open to be sold, but no deal has been reached as of the time of the production of this show. Now that Vince McMahon has re-elected himself onto the board of WWE and subsequently ordered the board to vote him in as chairman, the process has begun to shop WWE around. Now, wrestling journalists, as well as wannabe journalists, as well as clickbaity website owners, are having a field day with this. But to break it down, everybody thinks they have an idea of what's happening. WWE isn't talking about what's happening, so people are making things up in the hopes of being the first to be right. Think of this as like the Monday Night War back in the day between WCW and WWE, except this time you're wondering which billionaire is going to make a surprise debut as the new owner of WWE. We're going to try and dive into this a lot today, but let's talk about wrestling. Impact Wrestling held their hard-to-kill pay-per-view at the famous center stage in Atlanta, Georgia this past Friday, and man, was it a show. After weeks of buildup, Ontario's Josh Alexander defended his Impact World Championship in the Full Metal Mayhem match against Bully Ray on Friday night. Think TLC with thumbtacks, with garbage cans, with everything. It was it was nuts, but it actually all kind of made sense. Something that didn't quite make sense, but man, we were happy to see it. 
Santino Morella, using that very name, has now been introduced as a new member of the Impact Wrestling roster. But allow myself to introduce myself. You see, my name is Santino Morella. And I am the brand new director of authority here at Impact Wrestling. And Mickey James, who was in a career versus title match, defeated Jordan Grace to win her 11th major women's world championship in her career. If you have not had a chance to check out Hard to Kill, find it, order the pay-per-view, support the wrestlers, and watch this show. It was a lot of fun. Well, Dan the Mouth Lebransky's favorite AEW superstar is a history maker once again, as the longest reigning champion in AEW company history is Jade Cargill. The first and still only TBS champion is the longest reigning title holder in all of AEW, now at 374 days and counting. The last record was 372 days held by Hikaru Shida. Of course, a lot of that reign was over the pandemic era as well. Well, here's a CM Punk story that has slid quietly under the radar. We have no word as to his AEW future yet, but there's a band that is hoping he will join them for a performance on their upcoming album. Vinny Stigma, who's the lead for a New York City punk band called Agnostic Front, recently spoke to Wrestling Inc. about writing a song for Punk to do vocals on, if he's interested. Now, not many of us know CM Punk the singer, minus the occasional appearance at Wrigley Field. But Punk has performed on stage with bands before, including H2O. There's no word yet if Punk has received nor accepted the invitation to be on the Agnostic Front album. You know what? He's done comic books. He's done movies. CM Punk the album. I want to be a punkamaniac. And as the buildup for the return of Cody Rhodes continues on Monday Night Raw, Fightful Select reports that Cody is getting back in ring shape at the WWE Performance Center. According to the story, Cody Rhodes has been working out at the PC since last December. Of course, it was back in June when we broke the story right here on Sunday night's main event live from Chicago about Cody's torn pectoral muscle, which he still went into that match at Hell in a Cell with, which turned out to be a lot of people's match of the year. And it sounds like Cody is planning on coming back full speed. It's said that Rhodes handpicked NXT's Carmelo Hayes and Joe Gacy as training partners to help him get ready for his return, which could see him back on WWE TV even before the Royal Rumble. We are just scratching the surface on news and details and most importantly, facts this week. We're going to talk a little bit about behind the scenes as well here. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer joins us next to talk more about the return of Adam Cole, baby. Is Braun Strowman burning out? Plus, for MMA fans, we're going to talk more about the Francis Ngannou situation. More on Mercedes Money and FTR dropping a bit of a bombshell. They are off AEW TV by choice. Could this mean a revival for Dax and Cash? Melter's on the way next. You're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. Sunday Night's Main Event is brought to you by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Black as night. Light as a full moon, deep in character, little is known about the guardian that protects the Great Lake Stout. His nobility is as thick as his mustache, which belies the essence of the beer he defends. 
Through this mystery, what one can gather is, with this traditional dry stout, you'll finally vanquish the illusion that dark means heavy. Congratulations. You just found your new session stout. Find a selection of Great Lakes beer at your local LCBO or order online at greatlakesbeer.com. It's time! It's time! It's time for the Wrestling Observer Insider with Dave Meltzer on Sunday night's main event. So before we do this segment, I always send Dave a list of stuff we want to talk about here, and it's stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff. Now, Dave, I'm actually... I'm going to do you a little bit of a favor here because we have Brandon Thurston coming up from WrestleNomics and him and I are going to talk more about the business logistics, I think, of what's been going on with WWE. So you're off the hook today. You actually get to talk a little bit about wrestling, but I I do have to get some of your feedback and your thoughts. And uh, just a a little caveat too, Dave doesn't have his mic with him, so if the the audio sounds a little wonky today, that's what's going on here. But Dave, of course, the the big story, let me check here. It's been been 10 minutes. No, WWE still hasn't been sold yet. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> an amazing week and it was just and it's almost the start because you know no matter what anyone says i i, I think things are going to change and when you have brandon on you know i'm sure you can talk about different people but there's so many different ramifications of so many different people that could end up buying the thing a lot of these stories were people putting the cart before the horse in this case and everybody wants to be first and get that real scoop here but but how did this saudi thing get so much legs you think that to the point that cnbc and and other organizations were talking about it like like it was already a done deal. It was Tuesday. And I mean, even in NXT, they were taping and, and everybody was talking about it. I mean, I even got the time like this is like 930. I think it was uh, Eastern. And it just like, went through that whole thing. And we all heard it. And I mean, we all heard it from many, many people, but nobody who can confirm it. And on something that big, you know, you got to have somebody confirm it and the company's going to have to confirm it. And I think in a lot of people's minds, it made sense because Vince all of a sudden comes in, comes back with this idea. We have to sell this thing. Everyone in the world. Oh, everybody and their dog wanted to lay claim to having the, the story and knowing what was going on. And do you think now that all this heat around Vince McMahon, the, the potential of another investigation coming out, all these things, does this increase or decrease or not change at all the odds of us seeing names like The Rock or John Cena this WrestleMania season? I would say it doesn't change the odds at all because there's the forces. I think John Cena is probably going to be in WrestleMania. There's an expectation of John Cena in WrestleMania. It's going to be hard for him to do a lot of TVs because he's doing a movie, but the idea of him being on that show was certainly something talked about. With Dwayne, obviously, that's been talked about for years doing this WrestleMania. When I look at the lay of the land and just what everybody's been saying and everything, I certainly feel that one's a lot less of a chance of happening, not saying it won't, you know, realistically, he's got about another week or two until the Royal Rumble to where he's going to have to make up his mind and they're going to have to finalize the WrestleMania plan. So I would say when the Royal Rumble is over and after the Royal Rumble, we'll probably have a really good idea that week, whether Dwayne is going to do WrestleMania against Roman Reigns or not. If he wants to do it, basically, if he wants to do it, he will. I mean, if, if the company was sold to Saudi Arabia, um, which it will not be before WrestleMania, would that have an effect? It, that possibly could. I think that what was going to happen, whether it comes to Cena and, and Dwayne, it's basically the same odds as it was three weeks ago. The only positive I see right now, outside of obviously the big win it would be for WWE, but on, on Dwayne's side for coming back, is that it coincides with the time the XFL is coming out. So maybe it's a cross-promotional opportunity. I mean, we we've always seen that 
the WWE fans don't necessarily migrate to the XFL just because Vince even owned it, you know? That could be, I guess, the only thing that really makes a ton of sense. I mean, he's he's big enough to promote his own movies without WWE's help. There's a lot of a lot of reasons why it just makes sense for them to stay apart. I, I don't think there's any real reasons for them to stay apart other than his schedule. You know, and, and the idea that he has a lot of pride. And I don't think he wants to go in a match where he looks bad because he's not right. Again, him doing it or not doing it, I think that the key is, does he feel he will have time to prepare to do it? And with the XFL going on, to me, that is, you know, like to go on Raw on a show and say and promote the XFL without doing WrestleMania, I could see that because that's a great vehicle to promote the XFL and he he's going to want to promote it. But the reality is I think he's going to be working so hard on promoting it. That may be the holdup. He's got this league that he's running. And it's starting in, in you know just a couple of weeks, and it will be going on. By the time WrestleMania comes, the league will be deep into the season. So it's not like now I'm going to promote it. You know what I mean? It's like, and again, to do WrestleMania, he's going to do a, a lot of TVs, uh, you know, at least a few TVs. And I'd like to put date to date as to where WWE TV is going to be and how close it is to uh, team markets for XFL. I'm just curious if that's, that's an, that's an interesting thing. Yeah. yeah I, I don't know if they're connected or not. I'd have to look. Okay. Let's move into what's going on on TV here. Uh, on Friday, Gunther had a major win over Braun Strowman. Even though it was by interference, Gunther got a power bomb to pin on Braun Strowman, the monster of all monsters. The same monster of all monsters is lost to Ricochet now. Is Braun kind of already fizzling out you think i don't think it's as much braun being fizzled out as gunther being pushed really hard obviously mm-hmm. i think there if he's going to beat Strowman like that whether it's roman reigns or whether it's lesnar or you know whoever right whoever it's going to be that they're grooming him for i think that they wanted a big big win and Strowman was the guy to put him over you know Strowman was not the destination Strowman was the stepping stone for gunther Ooh, a braun Strowman gunther best of seven series i don't want to i don't <laughs> want to see you know whatever our best of seven's like that's that's not something you do very often i'll just say that well we'll we'll get to the most recent one in a few minutes here i want to shift over to mma though this was pretty surprising dana white last night after the ufc card says francis Ngannou is now a free agent said for two years they were trying to get a deal with him saying that he was going to be paid more than lesnar highest paid heavyweight in the company history and now he's gone and speaking of gone zero gone I know it's a different spelling, but still, uh, is is now going to be facing John Jones for an undisputed championship. Where does Ngannou go? Do you still think that there's a chance he comes back to UFC and gets the bigger money? Dana White did a pretty good job of burying him, though, saying that, oh, if he wants to go and fight lesser opponents, that's fine. Do you think this well, is the end of, of Francis Ngannou in UFC? He's going to test free agency, I think. You know, there was always the idea of Francis Ngannou getting out of his deal to fight Tyson Fury. So I right. think like, I mean, Bellator and bare knuckle fighting, everyone says we're going to put in a bid, but it's like, uh, what, what I do know is, is that Lesnar's last fight was $8 million. So if he, if Dana's telling the truth and this is better then we're talking about, he's turned down more than $8 million for a fight. When it comes to who can afford that, I really don't think anyone can afford that other than UFC or boxing. You know, Jake Paul has thrown his name and of course, and of course, Jake Paul needs somebody he can draw with, but. I think Francis Ngannou is a great name to fight fans, but I, I don't know if he has that big commercial broad appeal, you know, like a Conor McGregor fight. Everybody is like, you know, he's a household name. I don't think Ngannou is that level. Ngannou has never done a giant 
pay-per-view number, even with Stipe and everything like that. He's done. Okay. That's what I mean. Yeah. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's never done huge. Now, now him, him and John Jones, I think would have done a giant number. And, you know, because of that, he really wanted to get paid a whole lot and they could not come to an agreement. And, but that fight I think would have done a giant number, but John Jones just signed an eight fight deal with UFC. So that fight's not happening either. So I, you know, maybe he comes, you know, I, I, what I could see happening is him going and fighting Tyson Fury in a boxing match in which he's got, you know, the puncher's chance, if that, if, right. if any. and when that's done, looking around and probably not seeing big offers and then wanting to go back to UFC. But I think, I think in his mind, he can get that giant money boxing Tyson Fury and, and he, and he probably can. Okay. Well, speaking of money or money, one story we didn't touch on at all last week based on the, the whole WWE thing, but Mercedes money's, Big debut in New Japan Pro. She's now chasing the IWGP women's title, set to battle Kyrie at Battle in the Valley on February the 18th. Any indication, any numbers you know of as far as merch or viewership or anything from Wrestle Kingdom Night 1 that, that she had an impact on? Um, well, it was a secret. I mean, it's, I mean, as far as going there, so it's like... Was it, though? <laughs> well, okay. It, it, I mean, it was out, but it was... It was not that big in Japan when she came out. I mean, it's like there was awareness that she would probably be there. Right. It was not. I mean, in the United, it was much bigger in the United States. So when we talk about they did the largest live audience uh, for a New Japan show on New Japan World in history. Do I think she's part of it? Yes. Do I think Omega and Osprey is part of it? Yes. As far as like who more hard to say for the United States. For Japan, I think it's Omega and Osprey. Going over to AEW, there's still talk that Mercedes might show up there, but people that were there this past Wednesday, Brian Danielson and Takeshita, tore it up. There was the best of seven finale for the Elite becoming trios champions again. But to me, the biggest story of Dynamite may have been the return of Adam Cole. How serious do you think or maybe do you know the situation was surrounding Adam Cole and his potential return to the ring? Oh, it was very serious. I mean, look, his explanation of what happened was what was going on. And he explained in a lot more detail. I mean, I had heard he could barely leave the house. You know what I mean? And he basically said if he was in a car for 15 minutes, he would feel like he would throw up and sometimes he would. It was horrible. The headaches, the everything. I heard that, that like, it was really bad. And yes, was there fear that he could never come back? Absolutely. I was so glad to see him. I knew that he was getting better. And I was kind of told that he would be back wrestling. I had no idea it was, you know, he was going to be on the show. You know, with a concussion, you never know the time frame. It's like right. when you're cleared, you're cleared. And he was cleared. So he is going to wrestle. I mean, hopefully we don't have a repeat of this. But, I mean, he what essentially happened is he had a concussion in May and then another one in June. In his case, it was very, you know, legit, very close to career ending. All right. And some other guys who people are wondering if their career is coming to an end soon. In fact, uh, one of the members went ahead and said that their time is coming up. Dax Harwood on his new podcast, which is getting a lot of buzz. Just in, what, two episodes in, I think, two or three episodes in. Yeah, a couple episodes in. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Dax went ahead and announced on his podcast that they are now off AEW TV basically until their contract expires at the end of April. And now whatever they do next is going to be their last thing. These are Dax's words forward. Do you think there's any chance that we see, despite there being some very public beefs between them and well, let's go ahead and say road dog 
uh, you know, Brian James, who's one of the oh, yeah, that's producers. Not, that's not, that's not, that's not you know, I, I, well, mean, I, I don't think that's a thing, but I mean, that does still cause tension. Does that at all? Probably, there's probably some tension in the, there. Is, there is tension in AEW too. You yeah. Know? But I mean, it's like, it's, um, you know, look, I, the, the question is, do you see them maybe capping it off back in WWE? I think anything's possible. I don't, I don't, I don't, you know, like as far as like, what they're going to do. I think the timing might be really good and just go in there. And it's like, you know, whoever offers the best deal, um, that's the one you go with. The the advantage of AEW is, is that you probably have a more control over your schedule. I mean, Tony Khan has so many guys with WWE. You, I don't think they can go in there and go, we won't, we only want to work 20 matches this year. I, I don't like, if you're Brock Lesnar, you can say that if you're Dax Harwood, I don't know that you can say that. Um, could they offer more money? Of course they could. They've got all the money in the world. I mean, Tony's got money too. I mean, um, so I mean, my my gut would be that uh, you know, the, the you you go with who makes the best offer, and and which which I would recommend to everyone is where you think you're going to have the most fun. You know, they, they'll say over and over again that they had the best year of their career, and they'll always praise Tony. But that doesn't mean that they won't go back to WWE. And I think that they want it that way. Last thing here with Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer and WrestlingObserver.com. We are just over a week away from Raw's 30th anniversary show. It's going to be happening at the Wells Fargo Center. And, well, you know, there's been a lot of buildup the last few weeks here to the guy. We talked earlier in the five count here about how he's been seen at the Performance Center. Do you think this is when we get the on-screen return of Cody Rhodes? Do they blow the pop for the Rumble or... Do they get him on Raw because, frankly, they need Cody Rhodes on Raw? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I could, you could make the argument either way. If you're going to tell people ahead of time, then obviously that's the show, and probably yeah, then then make that appearance, especially because you're gonna you're gonna have a really big audience that night. Um, but you know, the idea of like him coming in at the Rumble, you know, for his first live appearance maybe going maybe a tape thing we're going like i'm going to be on the rumble i mean i look there's tape segments with cody every week yeah. i do believe that there will be a tape there will be a tape segment um on that show almost for certain i would think but you only get but one it, return right so do you do you put it on raw or do you put it on the rumble either way there's no there's no right or wrong answer um I think there is. I think there is. This, I think they would almost they would blow it for the rumble if if they put him on TV now. If he came out live now, I think it would it would kind of take away a lot of the steam in the rumble. Especially if he's going to win the rumble, which we don't know, but uh, he's probably the favorite. Yeah, but at the same time, there's going to be more people who watch him on TV by far than are going to watch the rumble. So, um, and TV as a general rule is there to promote the rumble. Like if they were going to do the big surprise at the rumble, I don't think they'd be doing these vignettes every week. I think these vignettes every week lead to Cody being on, whether tape or live, going like, hey, I'm going to be at the Rumble. You know what I mean? So it's like, if he's going to say, hey, I'm going to be at the Rumble, even if he's not live in the building saying it to get the pop, it's the same thing. They already know. Might as well do it on TV. If you wanted to keep it a secret, then I would say keep it a secret all the way through and have him show up as a surprise, like John Cena did that one year, you know, where nobody knew and he just showed up, or like many guys do, you know, do do the Rumble show up. Well, I, I think the surprise pop is always the biggest one, but at the same time, they they need them there. And Raw 30th would also be the show if anywhere they're going to do it. So either way, yeah, I guess. That, that, would be that. Oh, put this, that, that would be the night to do it, yes. All right, there you have it. Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer and WrestlingObserver.com. As always, sir, thank you very much. We'll catch you next week. Okay, have a great week. Coming up next, we talk all about the business side 
of the sale that may be coming, maybe not. He studies the business every week, and he's right here with us on Sunday night's main event. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics coming up. Submit your feedback to Sunday Night's Main Event by joining the group on Facebook. Search SNME Radio. This is Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. If you're a fan of Sunday Night's Main Event, check out WrestlingObserver.com, a daily podcast, multiple podcasts per day, with hosts Dave Meltzer, Brian Alvarez, and a number of others. You get a full library of podcasts dating back to 2005, over 9,000 shows. Hundreds of back issues of Dave's Wrestling Observer newsletter dating back to 1991, and so much more. Don't miss out. Check it out today. WrestlingObserver.com. This is Sunday Night's Main Event on DSN Radio. Money. And welcome back to Sunday Night's Main Event. I'm Mike McGuire. It has been a week of speculation, of bombshells, of everything you can think of when it comes to the potential sale of WWE. Headlines have run rampant. Mainstream news is picking up on it, claiming everyone from the Saudis to AEW might be buying WWE. But when it comes down to it, nothing of major value or major action has happened, which is why I waited until the very end of the week to talk to this guy. You've probably heard him before. You've probably seen his name more and more lately as all the uh, wrestling websites are picking up on this potential Wall Street shocker, the, the craziness of how Vince McMahon has reacquired control in WWE. He was once upon a time a professional wrestler. Uh, I believe you used the souple was a finisher, according to... Uh, that's what, is that what Cage Mask says? Um, that's what Cage... Yeah, that's what they're I, saying. I used, I used the rich clutch, rich clutch Exploder. Oh, okay. Quite a bit, yes. And I think that's that's what it was called at one point, yes. Yeah. yeah well. as, a, as a tribute to... We had like a commentator who sounded very much like Gordon Soley, and that was my yeah. way of making him say the souple. That's I think exactly that was, what I was thinking. That's, that's where that came from. Yes. Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics is here. If you're a nerd like me, you listen to WrestleNomics every week. In fact, I, I told you before we did this, you uh, you entertained me with a, a long drive back uh, across Canada here recently. Now, as wrestling fans across the world are pretending we know anything about the financial world, here's a guy who, I mean, this is this is kind of your bread and butter. This is what you're trained and what you know. So just before we get into explaining this whole craziness of WWE, what's... What's your history? What's your background? Why are you the guy with WrestleNomics? Well, I uh, started to study the business of wrestling around the time the W Network launched. I was interested, I'm always been interested in the way that new media changes business and lives. I was a big Marshall McLuhan reader at one point too. And I think new technologies do a lot more than people even realize sometimes to, to change the way that we perceive things, the way that that everyday life is and in wrestling in particular new technology and new media has repeatedly disrupted wrestling whether that was mm-hmm. television in the golden era in the 50s cable tv in the 80s pay-per-view a little bit later the internet has changed the way people think about wrestling and i thought maybe streaming media streaming video is going to be the you know the next step of that and we debate about whether it was, but I got really interested in the business and W was launching the W Network and I discovered the work of Chris Harrington, who was the person who had invented the word WrestleNomics. 
And I got really interested in his work. We ended up knowing a lot of the same people. He's originally from Rochester. I'm still from Buffalo. And uh, we ended up doing a podcast together. And now I do it alone because he's gone to work for AEW. And uh, I've done it ever since. I think, I I wonder if if people think like that WrestleNomics is going to be all about the business and all about sort of exploring and celebrating entrepreneurship and not mm-hmm. whether it is or not is up to you, I guess. But I, what I'm really more interested in is what makes wrestling move and change. And often that is money. But in this story's case, it's not just about money. This story too is about power. <laughs> There's a lot of drama behind this. If you even don't know much about it. I mean, I, I was on news talk 1010 in Toronto the other day and just running down the last two weeks or so of what's happened in WWE with the board of directors and mm. with the fact that it's, it's Vince McMahon, it's his daughter stepping down. I mean, they were, they were enthralled by the drama of this alone. And these are people that don't know anything about wrestling, but th- there is a balance of power issue in this as well. So what to you is probably the most appealing thing when it comes to studying business? Like, are, are you a, a financial guy outside of the wrestling world or what's your, I have a degree in philosophy. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> no, I have no degree in math or business. That's all anything right. Like that. This is kind of what I was getting at. Like, I, I don't know. I've, I've always sort of, sort of thought of myself as a writer and by studying the wrestling business, I've ended up learning Excel and coding in the, language python so what i'm doing on this other screen here um but no i i've uh used wrestling as a means to learn a lot of things but no i, I don't have any special background in, in business uh yeah it's, it's just a it's a window into into the world to learn a lot of different things i mean i hope that's what part of what people get out of out of wrestleomics well like i said i enjoy the show i mean you do the research you do enough to know how the rules work to a degree. I mean, there's been some things that have come up, obviously, where there's even legal debate right now. Uh, mm-hmm. Lawsuits are being filed. So, I mean, there, there are lawyers, I'm sure. That are, well, and that's just it. I'm sure lawyers are knee deep in the weeds of this thing, just trying to figure out what's right, what's wrong. Could this have actually happened? Was there a violation of trust to the shareholders? All these questions. But, but Brandon, I guess where we can start is if you're listening to this show, you're a wrestling fan, you know the gist of what's happened already. The big question, has there been any sort of transaction that is legitimate or even believed to be legitimate right now when it comes to the purchase of WWE? No, I don't think there can be. If there's a deal that's finalized, which maybe we can debate about what that word means, but if there's an agreement in writing, WWE, I believe, would have to make that public immediately. And if they didn't, they would expose themselves to a great deal of liability. This isn't the same thing as the UFC story a few years ago when they were sold uh, eventually to Endeavor, right? Where UFC, a private company at the time, denied and denied and denied. I understand they denied it to their employees and denied it to everybody publicly that they even were for sale, let alone there was a deal done. And maybe there was a deal done for a while before they announced it. I don't know. Um, that's not what's going to happen here unless WWE is going to expose itself to a great deal of liability. If, if WWE and the Saudi public investment fund has a, a, a finalized deal and they're sitting on it, they're, WWE is exposing itself to a lot of liability to shareholders. So I am extremely doubtful that that's the case. That's the thing. There has to be a lot more disclosure. That's how this all really started. Really, if you think about it, they found this misappropriation of funds or potential mm-hmm. misappropriation of funds and and that had to be investigated by their own board of directors. That's that's the rule. That's the law, right? So when you're dealing with public trading in the stock market and you're a publicly 
interested company, I suppose. The rules are, are that much tighter. The, the rules are, are, are tighter because it's a publicly traded company. The board in particular has a fiduciary duty. So they have a, a duty, the board, board members, if people don't know, so every publicly traded company is supposed to have a board of directors. And most of those members are supposed to be independent. And by that, it means they don't work for the company as well as serve as members of the board of directors. They, they're usually you know, executives in some other company. Uh, to, to, to grab a name, Steve Coonan, who is the CEO of is it Allstate Arena, the one in Atlanta and, and the Atlanta Hawks. He's an independent member of WWE's board of directors. He has no management role. He has no employment role in WWE. He serves on their board of directors as an independent member. Uh, Stephanie and Paul and Nick and, and the returning Vince, uh, they are or were uh, executive members. So they were also executives in WWE and, and also on the board. So they're supposed to uphold shareholders' interests and the board is supposed to supervise management, even though management is also involved in the board. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that's what they're there to do. And they're supposed to serve shareholders' interests because there's people investing in the company and there's people who are using public information to decide how much or if they want to invest in the company. So they're there to be a part of that oversight process, as well as the Securities and Exchanges Commission, which is according to a letter that was written by the board to Vince, the, the SEC is investigating, still investigating uh, Vince and, and whatever he did for whatever reason. Uh, there's a pending investigation, whether that really means anything, I don't know. There could be a pending investigation for, for years and years, but, but uh, whether something's really going to happen is another question. So that brings up an interesting question then, because a lot of people are, are comparing this to like TV drama right now where they're saying, I've heard the words Vince has done a hostile takeover of his own company to a degree. Is that accurate or is that maybe over sensationalizing it a bit? I don't know. I don't know what a hostile takeover is technically, but he was pushed out of the company. He was, he voluntarily left. I mean, under a lot of pressure, uh, there's sexual harassment and sexual assault allegations against him. Seven different, uh, women have, have accused him of, of one form of sexual misconduct or another. And he was pressured eventually to resign on, on July 22nd. Um, I think it's a fascinating story that we don't know the details of. Why did he, voluntarily resign. It, I don't think it's in Vince McMahon's character. And, and I was surprised that he actually voluntarily resigned. And now he has reportedly said, according to the Wall Street Journal, that he, reg you know, he regrets resigning. He feels that he got bad advice. That is his main takeaway, apparently, from this these last five months or so, is that he got bad advice from people close to him that convinced him to resign. We are trying to debunk as much of the noise as possible this week. More with Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics as we talk about the potential sale of WWE. Who could buy it? Who would want it? And who stands to gain the most? Brandon Thurston has more for us coming up next. You're listening to Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio. Sunday Night's Main Event is brought to you by Great Lakes Beer, a fiercely independent brewery. Black as night, light as a full moon, deep in character. Little is known about the guardian that protects the Great Lakes Stout. His nobility is as thick as his mustache, which belies the essence of the beer he defends. Through this mystery, what one can gather is, with this traditional dry stout, you'll finally vanquish the illusion that dark means heavy. Congratulations. 
You just found your new session stout. Find a selection of Great Lakes beer at your local LCBO or order online at greatlakesbeer.com. <laughs> is Sunday night's main event on TSN Radio. Welcome back. I'm Mike McGuire. We're talking to Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics about the potential and likelihood of potential suitors for WWE, which is now officially up for sale. And Brandon, you do a great job of explaining the wrestling business to wrestling fans, but what do you see your message at WrestleNomics and what is it you're trying to get out to everybody? A lot of the ways that I, I don't know, think about and talk about wrestling is, is kind of like trying to help people understand like what wrestling really is. And I think there's a lot of misunderstandings and misperceptions about wrestling. And I think mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of it is ultimately the responsibility and the influence of Vince that goes into everything that he's created in his, his content and everything that he has influenced everybody else to create, which we see, I think, rampantly throughout lots of other versions of U.S. wrestling and, and beyond U.S. And, and you see it in other countries as well. Um, which isn't, isn't my ideal of, of wrestling. <laughs> well, and, and I understand that too, because I, I do listen to the show regularly and I know that you're not keen on that product, but there are a lot of people that are, I mean, WrestleMania, we sure. talked about earlier in the show, biggest gate ever, right there. There's still people going. I was in Chicago for hell in a cell. And it's funny being a cynical Canadian wrestling fan. I'm used to being around cynical Canadian wrestling fans, but are I've Canadian been to- wrestling fans more cynical than, than us wrestling fans. Oh, Oh, especially it's and I can tell you that now because I've been to Chicago, I've been to Vegas, I've been to a few other U.S. shows. And and I'll tell you right now that the fans that are there are quite engaged. Like when I was sitting in that crowd of Hell in a Cell, like I was around fans that wanted to be at WWE and they were they were in on everything. Right. So, I mean, there is an audience. The money is being made. I guess you bring up a great point, though, and that is if if we're seeing how the how the sausage is made, so to speak here. And knowing that there's all these outside interests and there might be, it, it it does take away what WWE is right now. And the best term I used for it, I, I think, and see if you agree with me, this is this is like Americana. This is, it's it's pro wrestling and and TV and North America and and that's what WWE has been. And I, I think that if it were to have an outside interest like a Saudi purchase. I think the word might get out, and I think that fans in general might sour on it. But that—that's my opinion. So I, I think fans, the 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 effect will be not huge from yeah. fans, at least um, from people who are already embedded as fans, because I think we see that now, right? We're like, um, but do the networks still show as much interest though? Because there's that live golf thing that that you know accessibility, right. especially in the U.S. I mean, you have such a massive population there. I argue the people that want to see things are going to see it, but at the same time, there's a lot of people that still won't take the effort to to go into streaming or, or get into that. They they just want to throw on their TV and there's wrestling. Yeah, I, I think in in the event that that the, that the Saudi government buys WWE and takes it private and puts Vince McMahon back in charge, I think you have two layers of of stigma there in in Vince and the Saudi government. Uh, does that make it a lot harder for? that version of WWE to, to make business deals and to get TV rights. I would think it's some sort of impediment. Um, it, it ultimately it's, uh, it's going to be up to the, the media executives and their, and their advertisers and their partners to determine just how much they're going to tolerate that. Um, at the fan level, I think we have a pretty good idea of what, to what degree fans are going to care. 
Um, and unfortunately, I don't think it's very much. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think we saw the peak of it in, in 2018 when Jamal Khashoggi was murdered, uh, probably by the Saudi government. And WWE, led by Vince McMahon, just stuck it through and stuck it out and, and said, I'm not going to back down from this and just went forward and did it. And I remember, so I, you know, I, was, I, I was training people at the time and I remember, you know, driving somebody back to their back from the school and just sort of having a conversation. I think it was around the, the crown jewel 2018 show. And, you know, you know, this younger, younger guy, and he's, you know, probably not following the news about Jamal Khashoggi very closely. And, he, right. and we're, I think we're sort of talking about whether or not the show is going to happen because it hasn't happened yet. And he's just sort of, we were sort of having a conversation about it. And I think I'm like explaining, trying to explain to him, like why, why people are upset about this. And sort of at the end of it, he's just sort of like, Oh yeah, well I hope they can still do the show. And I think that's, I think that, that was like a microcosm of like, okay, that, this is how people, this is ultimately what it is. There's all this stuff happening, but it's not really going to sink into my brain and really make me, you know, criticize this and question it. The biggest complaints around the Saudi shows for the longest time were that they just weren't that good of a wrestling show. Despite all the, I, I think I see what you're saying. Like there, there was no complaint about the fact that they're still doing the show. They're still watching. It. I mean, some fans that were in the know were using terms like blood money and everything else, but mm-hmm. It's and I think we did, did see some situations where like on SmackDown when they would advertise that show in particular, mm-hmm. there were some boos and things like that. Now yeah. in 2018, I think there are some people who have there 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 are some some hostile some some fans who are willing to be hostile that used to attend W shows that who no longer attend W shows. Yeah. And I don't know if, if it's if it's the Thunderdome gap that, that sort of cooled all that off, or all these people now having an alternative between that time and now to go to AEW and to engage with other kinds of wrestling or what. Um but there's definitely, you know. Just people who it doesn't rise to the to the level of of repulsing them. <laughs> <laughs> I love that, and that's that's wrestling fans to our core right there. You know, it's like well, how, just, you know, just, how offended are we really? <laughs> or just I don't know is is the average everyday person like yeah. aware enough of the the international politics t- to care that much? No, they they want to see Roman Reigns lose the championship or. Obviously, there's people all across yeah, the spectrum of, so, of like yeah. of, of engagement and whether or not they care about that stuff. But there's a, you know, at least down on one end, uh, there's there's quite a few people who are just apathetic or not curious enough, or you know, they've got other things in their lives that compete for that attention, and they're going to engage with W regardless or not be aware of it, not question it. Brandon, this has been a ton of fun. I, I'm sorry we run out of time here, but I, I really appreciate it. No, this is I, I want to keep going. I think we should sit down and talk again sometime here, especially when the deal gets made, whatever that'll be. But this is kind of like sitting in my own personal episode of WrestleNomics. So thank you for for sharing yourself with us here. And of course, if people want to find WrestleNomics, uh, give us the give us the spiel here. Where are we? Sure. The, the best way to support is on Patreon, patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, where I, I do TV ratings reports. So TV ratings are probably what people would mostly be familiar with me from. Um, I do TV ratings reports for every major nationally televised wrestling TV show that comes out every day. It's also where people are getting the quarter hours from uh, WWE and AEW quarter hours. I usually have every week. Um, you also get access to the big data with all the TV ratings in, and I do some additional reporting on there. We do a weekly podcast additionally just for subscribers through there, but we also do the free podcast, Russell Onyx Radio. That's on everybody's free podcast feeds, uh, and I'm on social media on Twitter at Brandon Thurston, and Russell Onyx is on Twitter at Russell Onyx. Really appreciate this, man. Uh, last question just before we let you go here. Uh, CNBC put this out, and I found it kind of funny. Do you see a future where AEW 
merges WWE together to be the new monopoly in pro wrestling in North America? No, I think that's pretty unlikely. Um, I, I, I did ask uh, AEW the other night, is, this, is there anything to this? And of course, no, no response. Right. Um, I think they're, they're probably happy to have that, that kind of publicity out there. And it, it's probably good for their perception for a moment. You know, to, to sort of put AEW and WWE in the same sentence like that um, around this story that has so much interest. Um, I, I think Shad Khan is, is is a very wealthy person, but I don't think he has enough money on his own to buy WWE, at least liquid, um, I know, without selling the Jaguars or some major asset like that. Right. Um, but he could maybe put a team together. Because the estimated he, list I'm seeing is that he's worth about seven billion dollars or eight billion dollars. Um, yeah. I see eleven, even as high as that. You know, but how much of that is tied up in the Jaguars and in Fulham and in Flexingate and, and all the business? Yeah, he owns a lot of stuff, right? And and that's the other question. Then uh, maybe my last doesn't, doesn't last mean he's question. got that money in the bank. Yeah. You know, hey, I like that. However, the the last last question I will go to is: Do you even have any idea of what the final dollar value this could sell for would be? <laughs> What would just be an ideal number, do you think, in a realistic Just look at one? what the market cap is. So market capitalization is just a, a fancy term for, this is the value of all the W shares. There's like 77 million shares, depends on the day, because there's dilution, complicated stuff that we won't get into. But there's, there's it's, it's, a, it's about $6.5 billion. Okay. If, you bought, if you could somehow buy all the W shares, I mean, right now, they're all theoretically worth about $6.5 billion. Uh, so it's going to be somewhere around that and probably more. Um maybe as much as 30% more than that. So that's somewhere between six and eight, maybe things get really crazy, $10 billion. Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. And that's kind of what we're going to wait and see. How much money does Vince McMahon make out of this thing? And does he get to stay in the control chair uh, one way or another here? It's, it's absolutely fascinating. Again, I never thought as a wrestling fan growing up that we would be this knee deep in the business of it. But here we are. And the guy who you can turn to every week about it, Brandon Thurston from WrestleNomics. I want to thank you so much for being on the show, man. Thanks so much, Mike. This has been educational, informative, and kind of makes my head hurt at the same time. Can we, can we get back to talking about who we think is going to be the champion at WrestleMania? I hope so soon. Anyway, thank you for listening. Patreon members, you got about 20 minutes extra content. Patreon.com slash SNME Radio. Until next time, thanks for listening and letting me do what I do. Play safe, drive safe. Abby Senior. Thanks for finding Sunday Night's Main Event on TSN Radio.